1: Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast with me, Stu Whiffin. It's another week, it's another episode, and this episode's a cracker. I was lucky enough to sit down with Mr. Jags Cooner this week. Uh, Jags has literally worked with everyone. Uh, He was one half of Sabres of Paradise with Mr. Andy Weatherall. Jags was involved in Primal Scream... In all shapes and sizes he has remixed the likes of kasabian oasis and as this podcast unfolds you'll realize how many scenes that jags has been involved in and and been you know a, a key player in them scenes as well and most importantly jack is just a really nice guy um who, who tells a fantastic story so you're in for a treat today. Um, before we get on to it, just a couple of things. Um, I want to do some thanks. So a quick thanks to the Distraction Pieces Network, all the guys over there. And big thanks to Mister 76 for producing this podcast. Thank you to my name is Adam Brad Acton for doing the video and the artwork for this. And, oh, I have a Patreon account www.patreon.com forward slash off the beaten track go over there you will get weekly radio shows from myself with all the music all the chat lots of guests sometimes no guests but you always get a radio show a minimum one a week sometimes more and you'll find out about off the beaten track live shows over there um, and how you get free entry to those and just all other stuff over there yeah, go and have a little look. It don't cost anything to go and have a look. Go and have a nose. There's a little video that explains it all. But enough about that. Let's get back to today's action, which is off the Beat and Trap podcast with the wonderful Jags Cooner. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. do a bit of shopping see what you like throw it in the basket and then on the way out put in the discount code beat 15 b-e-a-t-1-5 and that'll save you 15% off amazing right www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of off the beaten track podcast let's get back to that podcast It's Off the Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu him Right, we are recording. We are at the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen. Those people there have kindly let me use the venue today uh, to record a couple of podcasts. And my guest today is Mr Jags Kona. Hello. You right? Very well indeed. Yourself, Stu? I'm alright, I'm alright. Excellent. So it's a weird one because the guest that has just said goodbye to me you you missed her um, was the the artist that you're currently producing Arena Mancini yes right yes so completely coincidental that I happen to have artist and producer as my two podcasts today. Yeah, Well, well that's
2: synchronicity in a weird way, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Arena, she's brilliant. Yeah. She's so talented. She's such a great uh, performer as well. Amazing voice. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll be looking forward to hearing what she
1: said on the podcast. <laughs> it's it's good, mate. It's good. <laughs> Not so much me, but her, obviously. Yeah. Um, thanks ever so much for coming down here and doing this. Pleasure. Um, good to see you. It, I mean, the last time I saw you was when you came and DJ'd for me at the Queen of Hoxton. That was a few years ago. It was a fair few years ago. Yeah. I reckon that must have been maybe six years ago. Yeah. Uh, good night. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Really good night. And uh, made all the better by you spinning some tracks. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, if you need us again, just let us know. I or will do. I will
2: do. I'm actually DJing this weekend on Saturday in Swindon. Called this, it's, it's a guy called Cheney who signed to Skint um and chinese yeah He's Tell not, me he's, a little bit about Ch- Is it a little bit Prince-like? Am I wrong well, there? Uh, well, he's doing some dance stuff at the moment. He's, he's, he's His real name's Theo. He's a, the, the artist's name is Cheney, and he's a, he's really talented. He plays everything. Drums, bass, guitar, super, you know, I suppose in a way, bit Princess, and, you know, Prince-esque. And I suppose in a way... Um, I heard edu-
1: something by him but, y- about two years ago.
2: Maybe, yeah. He's been yeah. doing, he's putting a whole load of stuff, so we're just doing a whole load of tunes at the moment. But he also runs a club night in Swindon called Save Swindon which he based on the Save Fabric campaign so right. he's got this thing called Save Swindon which is brilliant and it's just you know it's it's free to get in and it's just goes off all night goes on to about three in the morning what's the vibe? Uh, Dance. I mean, what I'm doing is uh, he's because I'm working in the studio with him. He asked me to come down, and spin some tunes. So I'm doing a, a back to '88 vinyl-only set of acid tracks, nice. techno bangers, you know, club classics from that era. And the kids are eating it up. They, they, it goes off every time he does it. It's brilliant. They're, they're, you know, this is the thing: is it's like it's pretty open-minded in the sense now that. With dance music, you can't really put an age on certain tunes and you can't really um, sort of like, you know, even if you go to sort of big club nights, they're going to drop some classics. They always do because it gets people going. Mm. So if you, you know, so for me to go and just do a vinyl set, weirdly enough, I was actually putting the set together yesterday and uh, put a big smile on my face actually getting the vinyl together, taking them out of the sleeves, putting them on the decks and just listening to them going, and it just feels so tactile doing that compared to laptops and USB keys. I mean, you can't do the tricks that you can do with modern software and and, with the Pioneer CDJs or whatever, but just that something about putting that needle on the record and letting it play in the arrangement and the way it was put together by the producer and the artist is... I, it's just, it's just, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. So yeah, so DJing-wise, I don't do it very often, but yeah. it's nice to be let out on Michelle every now and again.
1: Well, I guess this fits perfectly with the first track that I ask a guest to select, which is the the song with the greatest intro, because that's key to DJing, right? You know, it's that, that intro, you know, waiting for the beat to drop. and It can be. Yeah. Uh, although, I don't know if my... Choice on that? No, no. I mean, that, that, I mean, that's a far cry from 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 the music we're <laughs> yeah, talking about. Uh, from the music that we're talking about. Yeah.
2: I mean, so yeah. So my one that I chose for the greatest intro uh, is yeah, "Holidays in the Sun" yeah. by Sex Pistols. I, um, which is
1: as punk rock as Acid House, right?
2: Punk. Well, Acid House is was the punk of all time. You know, um, you, you know, the the the, the thing we've we, we've. With acid house, is and with punk rock, it was it was a genre that was created where basically you know the whole thing was um, uh, 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 it was open to everybody. Sure. You know, you know with punk, you didn't need to learn an instrument really. You just get it and you pick it up and you just try stuff out and and, and see what happens mm. and then you, f- you you start building up from that with dance music and with acid house and early that you know you just had to get the machines mm. and program them and they did it for you there was no um, going to going to university or college mm. to learn about your craft and your instruments or how to or music theory or anything like that mm. so it's yeah it, 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 it's it, it's acid house is the punk yeah of it's generation really so but yeah that, I mean that getting back to Holidays in the Sun yeah. um, the reason I actually chose it is one of the things that we used to actually do when I used to work with Andy Weatherall in the studio was what, we always used to joke about uh, putting jackboots on a tune it's just like just that whole stomp Cung, 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 cung. that you get on so many techno tunes and so many dance tunes. And yeah. it, at it's the 4-4 four, four rhythm, which is, yeah. you know, you know, it's, 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 it's inherent in, in dance music. And for me, it's quite weird because that is a 4-4 four, four beat. It starts off with just that chump, chump, chum, yeah. chum, And the way it builds up and then slams in is... I, I mean, the thing is, for the, the 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 day I chose it, I chose that. On another day, it might be a different song. Yeah, of it, totally, this is the thing. Yeah. It's so subjective, isn't it? When you yeah. got to choose your top your top tunes, um, but that is such an energetic bundle of noise that tune and the way it starts, and the, you know you know Steve Jones's power chord kind of slamming it in at the start is just
1: that's that's the get you out of the bed in the morning kind of tune, really, isn't it? So. How did you discover the Pistols? You, I mean, you don't look old enough to have... have well, what the, my brother was a punk. Right, okay.
2: So I was, uh, uh, you know, I was too young, really, to, you know, 77, 78, 79, I was 10, 11, yeah. you know. Um, but my brother was coming home with The Clash, You know, um, the Pistols, uh, the Slits, and all that kind of, all their songs on Seven Inch and stuff. How old was your brother at that time? My brother would have been about 16, 17. All right, perfect. Yeah, so five years older than me. So he was a, he was a punk. He'd bring in he'd bring all the tunes home, and obviously there's only one stereo in the house in them days, and he'd put it on, get shouted at by my mum. I was going to say,
1: what was the parents' reaction to that? Turn
2: that bloody racket off! <laughs> and it's the same, same as all parents' reactions. Yeah. Turn that fucking racket off. Sorry, you know. But um, you know, it's just that kind of um, rebellion esque. Yeah. But for me, it wasn't even that, it's, you know, I were not even rebelling against anything then. I was too young. But for me, it was just like wow, that's an incredible noise, you know, that's an amazing energy there that I hadn't heard for a long time. I mean, you know, we'll get on to talking about my true love of like T-Rex and stuff later on, Mm -hmm. but basically when I heard that, then it was just like, that is something special, that is something new, and and, and it really stuck with me, and, you know, I don't even remember if I, you know, heard Holidays in the Sun around then, but, it's always something that I always come back to because as a as a as a as a, a as a bundle of energy of a tune mm. you know that is a proper yeah oh god doesn't it just yeah you know the production the it's just intense energy yeah. there you know which is kind of four four beat driven kind of yeah. thing so yeah it's 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 yeah. It's through my brother
1: that my love of punk yeah. came about, and it's stayed with me ever since. So, as a, as a musician and a and a producer, um, how key is is intros to to a piece of your work? Well, you don't really know. Okay.
2: It's I mean it's the sum of all of it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, the, you know, there's that there's that common thing that uh, you know a great pop song has to catch
1: the ear, your ear within ten seconds. Sure, this you this know. is a conversation I've had with a previous guests, but yeah. I'm I'm curious to get your, your take on yeah. it. Yeah,
2: so so, so 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 you know, this is the thing is with the human ear or human, full stop. Is in order to get their attention. It's got to be quick. Yeah. You've got to... You know, you can't be doing this long meandering thing trying to get to the point of something because by that point, by that time, you've lost the, their attention. You've, they've lost interest. They've probably gone on to something else. So, and especially in this day and age, is if you don't give them something in the first 10, 15 seconds they might switch off and go somewhere else. So you have to draw people in straight away, especially with a a three-and-a-half-minute pop song or a a three-and-a-half-minute tune. You haven't got long, you know? Um, And so you really have to make sure that in order to get people to stick with you, to listen to it, Mm to join in the ride as such, is to grab them as quickly as you can. So you really need to make sure that the intro of a song is bang they're like oh yeah what's that you know you know people's heads turn and stuff so uh, in order to get people to listen to the whole song it's really important it's you know it's paramount because it's the first bit of the song that they'll hear but it's the sum of the whole parts that make it yeah it's great that you can get their interest and they'll listen but then after the intro you've got to give them a verse you've got to give them choruses you've got to give them middle age you've got to give them great arrangements you've got to give great musicianship Brilliant production, recording, blah blah blah, to keep them involved. Yeah. So, um, it, it, it's the key to, to unlocking the rest of the it, rest really. Of it, yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Was there any other considerations in your in your intros? Was there was there anything else you considered aside from the pistols?
2: There was loads, actually. There was loads. I mean, the thing is, it's like I tend to find that with intros to songs, it, like I said, you know, I mean, okay, another classic one that is going to get people going is Nirvana, you know. Yep. Obviously, you know, the intro, you know, Teen Spirit, it's yeah. just, just, it's, it, it's amazing. Yeah. But, um, you know... D- d- Van Morrison, Brown, I go. Yeah, it's, it's just like you know. It's like whether you set the tone with the chords or a riff or a hook or a drum fill yeah. or something. It's like you know, you've got to give them something. Yeah. So, so it's always, it's hard. I mean, I could, I could give you thirty. Yeah, I yeah. really probably could once I start going through it. Yeah. but you know, let's stick with that one for <laughs> All now. All
1: right, mate. All <laughs> right. Okay, right. All of those in the sun, but pistols. <laughs> Okay, um, I will pick back up on punk a little bit later sure. as well. Yeah. Um, so, for track two, Jags, I ask you to pick the first song that you remember having an emotional impact on you.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: <clears> T <throat> Rex. Yes. Metal Guru. Okay. Emotionally, Ha.
2: Okay, so I probably was only about five ish, something, maybe, I don't know. And I was obviously one of those. And it was a common thing, one of those kids that used to sit there and listen to the top 40 on the radio. Yeah. Um, probably not when I was five, but a few years later, would then get a tape recorder to record it by sticking a microphone in front of the radio yeah. to record it because you'd never had yeah. tape and radio all in one yeah, of before. Course. So, um, and I heard that. And the sound of that record, uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of glam. And um, and we're going to talk about T-Rex more anyway, but uh, when I heard that, I didn't know who it was by, but the sound of it, the production, the, the widescreenness of it, if you want to call it that, was just immense. It just you know it just drew me in it really did and every time i used to hear it you know uh, it would always just it stayed with me forever you know and i i i, I it's just um, uh, and i don't know what it is what is it that makes somebody love one tune and 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 you know and that's the thing is it's a personal preference thing, but for me when i heard that it, i think that's almost like the 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 sonically one of the greatest sounding records ever for me because it, it's just like the the production the sounds the arrangements the way Bowlin's singing and you know imagine uh,
1: without even seeing
2: him right well I mean it, it's it's just He's guitar as well yeah he's one of the greatest ever guitarists he just never really gets the credit for it because, really oh. Oh, I don't think he does okay. I don't think he does but the riffs that he played you know get it on you yeah. know uh, uh, you know
1: uh, what, what an intro
2: what an intro and you know and 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 um, um, for you know you know it's been you know Oasis Yeah, of course. He used that as, you know, took a reference from that as an an inspiration. It's just, you know, this this classic sort of like, and his playing's just immense. Um, But yeah, that was, it's one of my earliest memories, Metal Guru. Yeah, really weird. It's like you know, I can remember the other one. I remember, the, you know, there's the, the songs that were on the radio. They're needles and pins. Yeah, was another song I remember, but it never stayed with me. You know, T Rex stayed with me forever, uh, and it still is. Uh, you know, it's one of the uh, they're they they're possibly one of my favourite bands mm-hmm. anyway. But I, I just you know, even listening to it after I you know chose it, because I, I basically did a lot of these choosings All of these songs that you've got on that list there, just from my head, just from just going, oh, yeah, Metal Guru, da-da-da. So I didn't listen to anything to reference anything, to but check it out. But that's
1: good, right? Because then that, that's, that's... It and, jumped to my front it, of my exactly, mind, Exactly, yeah. then that, that, that's how it should be, right?
2: And, yeah, exactly. And then it's only afterwards when I listened to Metal Guru again, because I hadn't heard it for a few years, I was just like... Yeah, now I remember why I chose that
1: tune. That is yeah. just that is immense. Bowling was a real deal, wasn't he?
2: Oh, like incredible! That. I mean, I've actually been to. I used to live in Richmond, and I used to drive past the yeah. bit in Barnes where the you know he crashed his mini yeah. and the tree. And every time I used to drive past it, the tree would still have little you know like there's a little bit of a shrine yeah. there. People leave little you know the flowers and and, and certain things. So. It's just, and still, and this was, you know, this is 20, 30 years after it happened yeah. and stuff, you know, so it was, it, it, you know, that's how profound an effect yeah. he had, so, uh, and on me as well, yeah. I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm, I still love him, you know, he's amazing. So, going,
1: going back to that time, whereabouts was you born, Jags?
2: Okay, so I was born in, a, I was born in Hillington Hospital, which is a, a hospital in, in West Strait and Newsley, out near Heathrow Airport. Okay. So my parents were uh, immigrants who came over in the 1960s. Um, I was born in Hillingdon Hospital in 67, and I grew up around West Drayton, usually Hayes, Uxbridge area. Um, And um, it was interesting times. It was really interesting times. It was like the 70s. Uh, There was quite a... How was it being the son
1: of an immigrant in the 70s in... in
2: I used to get spat at. Yeah. I used to walk down the road, mum would get called names while I'm walking with her. You know, that that sort of thing. <clears throat>
1: and did that it, become something that you kind of expected? <clears throat> it, or was yeah, it every yeah, time of course. it happened was yeah, it no, still no 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 it,
2: it, it's it kinda of, you just you just yeah, it's fine. And when you're young, when you're really young, there's nothing you can do. When you're a bit older Yeah, Then you start getting angry, you know. But, you know, it wasn't too bad. I'm not making it out every time I went out and walked down the street, somebody was spit at us or somebody would call us name. But, you know, every now and again it would happen. But, you know, where we were in West and it was like, it was the kind of, it was the East End overspill. They took people out in the 60s from the East End, brought them over to the new um, posh housing estates that (laughs) were being built in the west of London. So, you know, and then there was a quite a, a quite a quite a prominent uh, National Front stroke later on British movement yeah. kind of uh, base there, yeah. which, you know, looking back on it now, um, I, I look back on it in a funny way. It's uh, it's quite weird. I mean, I, I, I'm 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 one of five brothers, and uh, I'm the second youngest. Um, but all my other brothers are built like brick shit houses, and yeah. I'm kind of like the runt of the litter. <laughs> um, but I remember used to be standing outside on the street, and then you get like uh, the National Front coming down the road, kind of singing, you know, racist chants and yeah. stuff. And they kind of get to close to where our house was, and my brothers would come out. And then they'd all stop chanting and singing because they were really scared of my brothers. Yeah. And so... And the, and the weird thing was like, they'd stop chanting not, not saying anything and then a few of them would look over and go all right so how's it going? <laughs> <That only laughs> to my brothers. Business, that. <laughs> to my brothers. And then they'd walk about 40 yards down the road and then start chanting again. Oh amazing. <laughs> I mean you could turn that into a comedy sketch in a film you know I could so see that in like East East or oh something my like that. Oh God. So, so it was quite bizarre but in a way that helped me that helped me because what I then did was I started to not become introverted but I started to to look for things that were my own outside of what was you know, if I was white maybe I would have gone and joined in with the march, no I wouldn't have done but I'm just sort of saying you know, you just, you look, you can't join in with that, you can't join in with certain people because they're doing things that you've got So I then started to get more, I started to do my own edits, I started to do little, I got a tape deck and I would record a record and then edit the songs on a little tape deck and hit the pause button, take the song back to the beginning, unpause and do extended versions of yeah. things. They're really bad edits. They didn't line up properly yeah. or something. But it was just to kind of get, you know, just little things like that going so on. So your
1: mind was deconstructing music at that point? It's and always like... been
2: doing it. It's always been doing it. I remember watching like Bollywood films with my mum and dad or when I was little. And, and, and the stories were just, oh, you know, their heartbreaks people die stuff, but basically I would end up then listening to the music, going, "Wow, the sound of that, that drums, the the distortion. I didn't know it was distortion, but just like sonic quality of the music that they used to have in those old, old Bollywood movies was just amazing. It was just an intense sounding distortion. Um, just so, so I was, I was, yeah, I've always done that, always and done it.
1: What a, an amazing mashup to be exposed to. At a young age, you know, Bollywood, music, pistols from your brother and, you know, whatever other punk records. Well, the
2: thing is, but I I had more than that because our next-door neighbours on one side were a white family and on the other side were a black family from the Caribbean, from Jamaica. So... And it was great because we all, out, all we got on with our neighbours, and you know we used to cook food and give it to the the English family next door, and then, you know, uh, the, uh, the family that was on the other side, they you know make curried goat, and we'd give them samosas, and it was really it was great round yes. there. But they they had a big love of reggae, yeah. So they would be on Saturday nights, you know, it would be just. Pumping out, you yeah. know, old Trojan. Lovely. Oh, it's just—it's so I, I i kind of immerse myself in that. So I've always had that um, multi-cul- multiculturalism in music, wherever yeah. you know. And so I've always appreciated that. You know, you—you you know, it's—it's—it's it's, it's always been wherever I've been. Really, it's always influenced everything. You know.
1: Okay. We're going to move forward a little bit now on sure. the time scale to, to track three, which is the song that reminds you of your school days. Uh, sort of trying to do the maths here, I, I imagine this is secondary school? Oh, this is secondary school. Yeah yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, I can't really go to primary school, Yeah, because the thing is, primary school, well actually no, we can, we've just done Metal Guru, yeah, there you go, yeah, yeah, so course, Metal Guru, yeah. so, so that's primary school, so that's yeah. kind of stayed with me, so, yeah. but... You know the thing is you don 't really start forming a proper of opinion course. of musically of what you 're about until you get into your teens really mm. um, that 's when you start digging what you dig rather than what other people are digging yeah. that you listen to so for me in, this, in secondary school my my love of music really came from listening to the radio loads, and I used to i think. At that time, I used to listen to. I think it was Peter Powell on Radio One, and it used to be Kid Jensen on Capital Radio. Yeah, I think. That sounds and about Kid right. Kid Jensen, and there was a. And Kid Jensen used to play all this electronic stuff, like Depeche Mode. Um, he used to play uh, Cabaret Voltaire, and 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 things like that. So that was like you know really. I was, and that like, was on Capital. This was David. Kid Jensen used to have one of the most amazing shows. The thought of hearing Cabaret Voltaire on, on no, honestly, Capital Radio seems uh, nuts, on, doesn't no, it? No, honestly, it's really bizarre. Capital Radio, once upon a time, was the was pretty cool anyway, yeah. but. I think it was like he had the seven o'clock slot, right. or something, or six or seven o'clock slot, yeah. and he would it'd be the specialist shows. Yeah. So he would be playing all sorts of stuff like that, and that's kind of where you know soft sell. And I mean, you know, this is another thing. You know, I could have actually chosen Soft Cell Non-Stop Erotic Cabaret oh. as as a classic album, and I probably should have done. But the reason I chose what I did, which is Power Corruption and Lies, New Order. Yeah. Is because New Order, as a band, have been way more prolific in in their careers and in my life for everything that they've done. Yeah, Soft Cell did one of the greatest albums of all time, right? But New Order have been there all the way along the line for the last well, however long, you know.
1: Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? sorry it won't take a sec all i want to say is the songs that we're talking about in this podcast if we can't play them it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such so if you want to hear the songs just go over to spotify and search off the beat and track podcast and you can listen to all the songs because i've put playlists up for each of these if you can't find it on there I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through. And you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. I mean, by the time this comes out, it it, it won't be relative timescale-wise. But did you go and watch Soft Sale on Sunday? Do you know what? I just... I, I'm going to
2: cry in a second because what happened was, I didn't know anything about it. Right. And then all of a sudden, pe- people they, they are they posting... They the O2 for yeah. their last
1: ever show. Yeah, yeah. So,
2: yeah so, the, so, the, so they ran the O2 for their last ever show. Everybody I know, like everybody yeah. I know is there filming and I'm watching it on Instagram going, fuck. Yeah. I can't believe well, this. Well, it was
1: our friend Mark Moore that, that, that put something up and I was like, and it was...
2: I'm, uh, I'm going to cry.
1: It was Sal waving. I'm going to... I know. Um, and, 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 and then then Sean, memorabilia. And it was... Oh,
2: yeah, no, and then Sean Dixon's posting. Yeah. And, and, you know, Hi-Fi Sean. And then, you know, my friend Louise is posting. And then they're just everybody's posting. Everybody's <laughs> there. It's like, I'm the only person who didn't get invited to the party. And that's my own fault. But it looked amazing. And Mark Ormond is... Oh, what a voice. Just what Incredible. an amazing voice. You know, David Ball. I mean, they're geniuses together. But I was so gutted I couldn't make that and and, and and it's just I am gonna cry in a second don't well up don't well uh, up let's yeah. let's
1: let's let's play positive and talk new order
2: yeah so new order <laughs> power corruption and lies yeah that's that's probably the soundtrack the reason I chose that as well is because I used to have a paper round at that time at school and I would do the paper round and I would that would be my morning listening on my Walkman I'd play that album while doing the paper round. Right. And weirdly enough from that album, one of, it's got one of my favorite ever songs, which is Your Silent Face. Mm-hmm. And after, afterwards, when I got a mobile phone, Your Silent Face was my alarm on my phone for something like a decade and it was the first thing I'd hear in the mornings. I'd wake up and I would hear Your Silent Face and that would set me up for the day. It's an amazing piece of music. But, um, yeah, that's... Was this Arthur Baker? I don't think it was Arthur Baker. I don't know. Okay. Do you know what? I hope, God, I, I should really look You're that up.
1: You're a producer. You should know these things. No, but weirdly <laughs> enough, I've just actually moved my record collection. I know Arthur really well. I've just moved my record collection,
2: and I was moving it, and as I'm packing it away, literally, every, every a handful of records I put in, every sort of like five, six, fifth, six handful of records, it'd be like... Oh, Walking on Sunshine, Arthur Baker. Bang, that'd go in, you know. uh, know, uh, And then, oh, uh, you know, uh, um, Breaker's Revenge, you know, Arthur Baker. Oh, and then another batch of records. Oh, Africa Bombard, Soul Sonic Force, Arthur Baker. And it's just like, and I was actually going to message him saying, mate, I'm just packing away my records. And Jesus Christ, how prolific a producer are you? Because every other handful of records I was getting out, the top one would be a song that you put together. Yeah. But you know what i don't know if he did produce yeah. power corruption and lies it sounds like he did some so,
1: of it so mm-hmm. when your brother was listening the punk and stuff like that you know by the time you'd discovered Kid Jensen playing new order and stuff like that yeah. had you already kind of had you been exposed to sort of joy division and stuff like that at that point it was then yeah
2: it was then uh, I, I you know okay I, you know hands up here i I, I weren't into joy division yeah. when they were happening. Yeah. I, I weren't exposed to that. I only found them after New Order, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know Love Will Tear Us became one of my favourite songs. But it was New Order that introduced me to them and, <clears throat> and Martin Hannett and his yeah. genius way of producing. But it was it was yeah. It, it came after. It came after. And, and and the weird thing about Power Corruption and Lies is the fact that it does actually contain well it doesn't contain one of the greatest songs that New Order ever did because they didn't put it on the album which is Blue Monday yeah. uh, and you know they were saying as well that they had to actually put stickers on the album cover to say does not contain Blue Monday oh, really? because they so if, the, if it didn't contain Blue Monday so Al- Arthur Baker must have done that album yeah. he must have done some of that album yeah. and, and Arthur if you're listening oh, sorry I should have known that really <laughs> after all the years of following you and being your friend and knowing everything you've done I really should know that <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, you know that became and the new order has stayed with me forever. You know, yeah. they 're just brilliant bands, brilliant albums, uh, amazing. You know, have you had
1: an opportunity to work with them at all?
2: When I was working with Weatherall, we did a, uh, a remix of Regret. <clears throat> But that's the only thing I've done, and weirdly enough, single as well. Oh, amazing! You know, uh, a brilliant production on the original as well. I love that tune. Um, But yeah, no, not in a studio capacity of going in. I would love to. I've met Barney, Mm. you know, a couple of times, and um, uh, yeah, just, just. Dudes, just oh, I mean, he's a, he's another one, you know, what a guitarist, yeah. No, never is really given the credit, yeah, but what a guitarist, yeah. And this is the thing, is it's like there's this whole thing about the world's greatest guitarist, but for me, the world's greatest guitarists are
1: never the ones who are actually in that list. It's because his guitar lines are a bit understated, aren't they? They it, are it, totally, it, it's but it's not a great big guitar wank, is but, it? It's no, well, like, but that's it's, what it's that's the reason that's what
2: makes you a great exactly. musician, that's what makes you a great player, yeah. because the thing is, you know, I think the best guitarists, the best drummers the best play, bass players or keyboard are the ones who fit in yeah. to the tune and yeah. do their thing we're in that Absolutely. rather than going hey look at me look how brilliant yeah. i am and how amazing i can play shit exactly. you know so for me I, I you know and another one of you know he, he, that i would rate in that group of brilliant guitarists is andrew Innes from primal scream who's yeah. actually a really good friend of mine and he is just amazing i mean he sometimes i'll go around to his house and he just you know he'll just
0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user, compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
2: Got a new guitar and you should just be playing it and it's just, you know, it's just the hairs on the back of my well, neck stand up. Well, it's let's just talk me. about
1: Primal Scream. Yeah. Because, um, you know, we've mentioned Wetherill and, and obviously you know do you, what, 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 exactly what was your introduction to Promise Scream, How did you come to work with them and okay. how did that come about? <clears throat> okay, so they. Um, so yeah, it's a long
2: story, but it's a great story. And you know, it, basically, what it was was, I <clears throat> a long time ago I did a bootleg of a tune, and um, Weatherall got a copy of this bootleg, and it was one of the, it was the last tune, at A Boy's Own Party, and then I met up with him a few a few months later at Flying and he came up to me and he went, are you Jags and I went, Yeah, and he went, Yeah, I'm Andy Weberall. And I went, Yeah, I know who you are, mate. And he went, Um, I love what you do. I was like, I was like, Shit, is this like a little wind up or something? And he went, No, I love what you do, man, it's amazing. Do you want to get into the studio with me? And I was like, Yeah, I'll be honest, that'd be incredible. And so and that was it. And then we left it at that, and then I thought, well you know, and then about two weeks later I thought, you yeah, know, nothing's gonna happen. And then two weeks later he phoned me, going, Jags, what are you up to? So Andrew, I was like, Oh hello. He said, "Uh, still up for getting in the studio? I was like, yeah, sure. And he's like, well, I've got to do a remix for a band called Jar Wobble and the Invaders of the Heart, and it's got a track called Visions of You with Sinead O'Connor Singer on it. Would you be up for coming in and doing a remix with me? I was like, yeah. (laughs) So and I was a Peel fan as well I so. said did
1: you tell your brother you was going to work with Jar Wobble <laughs> yeah you know what I mean and that's the thing
2: so we went and did this session and you know Jar Wobble came in and his guitarist Martin I can't remember his surname I hope oh, you'll mine forgive me for that but he you know and it was just a brilliant and we did this mix it's completely out there and that's how I started working with Weatherall. everybody amazing, loved it I started amazing working record with as well thank you. you yeah it's, oh, it's a brilliant yeah. tune and so then we we went on to just do loads of remixes did loads of productions this is after he Done Scream of Delica as yeah. well. People were screaming at him to do another Scream of Delica. And, and Andrew, being what he terms the classic underachiever, is like, Is that what you want me to do? Then I'm going to go and do something completely yeah. different. Yeah. So we then formed the Sabres of Paradise and we started doing our own tunes. And they started doing okay. And then we got asked to do a primal screen remix. So we did a remix of Jailbird and uh, the band loved it. And then we Formed the band, and we were getting ready to go on tour, and weirdly enough, we were getting ready to go on tour, and The Scream went, uh, well, they asked us, they said, do you want to come on tour with us? And we was like, yeah, sure. And so, we went on tour with Primal Scream, um, weirdly enough... Uh, as Sabres. As Sabres of Paradise. Yeah. So, so, we had the band, the Sabres of Paradise, we went on tour with Primal Scream, and uh, it was an amazing tour, because... It was, at the time, it was Saves of Paradise, Primal Scream, Dust Brothers, who later became the Chemical yeah, Brothers, Chris Needs, who's a brilliant journalist and DJ, and Andy Weverall so that was the tour and that was an amazing tour that's a good night oh it? my god it was legendary <laughs> I mean that that was two of the best weeks of my life for. Yeah. And, and, and this the thing is it wasn't like a, this is you know we're here and the band or you know Prime scream over here and, yeah. and, and we got our own tour bus and we, everybody was jumping on each other's tour buses yeah. everybody's mingling in together everybody's having a right laugh and it was brilliant so that's when I properly met the scream and that's when I started hanging out with Bobby and Andrew loads I mean, there's a there's a book to be written about that two week tour with Primal Scream, which yeah, is just imagine. immense. But I'll save that for my memoirs, really, <laughs> <laughs> just as I'm about to die, in case everyone's going to sue me yeah. and <laughs> get done for libel. Um, so, 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 basically, that's how I got introduced to Primal Scream, and then. We, we kept in touch you know Primal Scream at that time I was in the Aloof and I was in Sabres of Paradise Primals were flying high we were on tour it was great times you know and then <clears throat> after that um, the Sabres split up uh, the, I left the Aloof and then I was kind of a, you know I was working with David Holmes and that was going great I, I was doing all of David Holmes' stuff and working on Bits and Bobs with him and then Innis phoned me up and went uh, Innis and Bobby phoned me up and went do you want to do you, want to, do you want to work on a tune? And I was like, yeah, sure. He said, yeah, we've done this sort of dancey kind of tune. We think you'd be right for it. And I was like, sure. So I went in this, you know, they sent me this tune and it was called Swastika Eyes. Oh. So um, they sent it to me and I, we started. I started work on it. But it was kind of cursed because... They tried to work on it with a few people, and it didn't happen. And then I started working on it, and then my computer died. Computer crashed, like, completely burnt out. And then I was going to studio, and then the car broke down. And it was like one of those tunes which was not, not a difficult birth. It was like, there's a hoodoo, you know, on yeah. this, and it's got a, you know but we, we persevered and we got it done so so it, was Manny in the band at this point <coughs> Manny Manny was in the band yeah. yeah Manny was in the band so basically yeah. um, we were on tour I was on tour with the Aloof at the time and we, we got Vanishing Point it, you know he sent me Vanishing Point and I was listening to it and I was like oh my god this is you know that, <laughs> that's frightening and, it, and and so Manny was in
1: the band frightening is a great way to describe oh, it
2: yeah And so, so basically the, 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 the evolution from Vanishing Point to Exterminator was it was just a natural a progression, you know. All of a sudden, you got Manny in the band, and then when Exterminator, the, the whole album came about, you had Kevin Shields in yeah, the band. Fuck you You had Throb, you know, God rest Mate. his soul, in the band still. And and honestly, that lineup when Exterminator was done and we finished Swastika Rise, and and everything else was in place. I mean that that formation and that lineup of. Primal Scream I mean, that was just jaw-dropping you had Kevin Shields and Andrew Innes on guitar Throb on guitar Manny on bass Duffy on keys Darren Mooney on drums and Bobby singing I mean it was just Fucking hell! Yeah, you know I don't want to swear to. I mean, <laughs> it was just I was something else, and the energy of it was immense. Yeah. So, um, and then you know we, and then obviously after that, after Swastika Rise, they asked me to work on Miss Lucifer, which was on Evil Heat. Mm-hmm. We did that, and then we did the you know. uh, the Sun Velvet Morning the Kate yeah. Mars yep. and stuff so we, we did a version of that and then I've been you know we've been friends uh, you know I've been friends with The Scream ever since and then that, that, it kind of all started from that really yeah. it's just bonding yeah. over things first and then yeah. all of a sudden it's a meeting of minds and then it's a case of right you know we connected let's try and make some yeah. music together so yeah it all comes from that
1: oh amazing Right, well, I'm going to take you back again now. Sure. Because um, I, I like to ask the guests what the first record you remember buying was. <laughs> and so we've just talked about Kevin Shields and Frob, and now we're going to go back to something slightly different.
2: Okay, so this is the problem. When you choose your first record, the first record that you
1: You've just bought, got your call out of the way, mate. That was yeah. as cool as it could have got, that last bit. <laughs> I'm
2: going to offer off my disclaimer now. <laughs> the thing is, when you buy your first record, you're going to go, right, okay, so basically I went to Woolworths. Yeah. I must have been about four or five years yeah. at the time and hassling my mum. Buy me a record, to know. Okay, what do you want? I want the Magic Roundabout, the theme tune yep. to the Magic Roundabout, which, weirdly enough, I was listening to this morning, it still sounds pretty psychedelic yeah. and out there, so yeah. I've kind of got away with it, but generally speaking, when you ask for people what their first tune
1: they bought was, it ain't going to be anything cool, of really. Of course it's not. <laughs> do you think that ever got used? In, in, in the rounds of eighty eight, eighty nine 89, when... Oh, the rave! The rave thing where everyone was getting childrens. It would have been childrens like Trumpton and, and yeah, Trumpton de- and...
2: Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, a lot of them got done. Well, who what else? It was? Was uh,
1: prodigy uh,
2: Charlie? Charlie, yeah. 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 Charlie was the uh, the, the advert, tra- yeah. well, was it? It was the uh, traffic information yeah. film, wasn't it? Yeah, you know. You know. Um, uh, so it probably would have done it, it probably would have done been. it would have done it should it, have been it, well yeah i I think it's about time somebody went to the studio and did it but yeah so magic roundabout okay i used to love that program i was out there you know and uh I, I you know i can't say a huge amount on it but when i listened to it this morning it is pretty out yeah. there psychedelic kind yeah. of the
1: parts on it are brilliant as yeah. well you know it's all played stop trying to make your first purchase call cool, mate uh, uh,
2: yeah all right i'll stop right there <laughs> your album's cooler your album's cooler my album is way cooler as a matter of fact my album is it's right so T-Rex Electric Warrior that's the first album I bought I don't think I bought that till I was about eight-ish because buying albums was expensive so hassling my mum to spare some money for me to buy an album was like really taking the piss you know when it could have been spent on food because we were pretty poor so so that was my first album and to Believe it or not, to this day, it's still my favourite album, Electric Warrior. T-Rex is my favourite album. That's amazing.
1: Your first ever record. your First you ever album. Still. I
2: mean, that's cool though, isn't it? Yeah, So absolutely. I don't need to offer a disclaimer on that <laughs> no one. Disclaimer no disclaimer so, uh, so I, I yeah, I, I, it's, um, it, we're back to Boland. We're yeah. back to T-Rex. We're yeah. back to my love of Metal Guru. We're back to, yeah. you, know, you know, so the two, th- two bands that would stand the test of time and probably, I suppose if you want to look at it, you'd say this will be the ones played at my funeral will be T-Rex and New Order. But T-Rex, Electric Warrior, it's just sonically yeah. uh, so pleasing. It's just a beautiful, beautiful album. Yeah. I love it.
1: Yeah. Perfect. Right, so I'm sure this is going um, get, to get, get very interesting now because for track five, I'm asking what the track was that soundtracked your clubbing years. Okay. So uh, w- looking at this, I guess it could be either. So, so was it clubbing or DJing it's- or both?
2: It's everything. Yeah. Okay, so let me, let me just tell you this, the song first, right? So the song is Donna Summer, I Feel Love, but it's the Patrick Cowley, 15 minutes, 42 seconds long version, which is the greatest piece of music ever made. Now, I first heard that around about 84, Around about 84, yep. right, I heard that. So I was at a party And it's gone, I feel love, I feel love. And it's like, oh, yes, Donna Summer, I feel love. And then that finishes, and then it goes... And it goes off on a tangent. And it goes off on a tangent into this intense synth workout,
1: which is just incredible.
2: And then it comes out of that and goes back into the song.
1: But that synth and that sound...
2: That is the blueprint of every dance tune ever made. It's
1: one of the greatest records ever made. Shout out to that.
2: Me and Liam Howlett from The Prodigy have
1: bonded over this. It is the greatest record ever made. And to hear it and to quote The Prodigy, the Prodigy song, when I first heard that, that sounded like the closest thing I could imagine to being in outer space would sound like. Oh. It sounds like it's from outer space, oh, that's not cool?
2: I mean, I mean, when I was... OK, so going back to this party, I heard it, and it's gone on to this synth workout, and it's immense. And I just froze, and I was just like, what the hell is this? And then it went back into the song. Yeah. And then it's, you know, Donna Summer, and then it comes out of that, back into the yeah. bass line, and then it goes off into another yeah. tangent. And I was just like... That is just incredible, and to this day, every dance tune you will ever hear, every one of them references that, whether they meant to do it or it just happens because the way dance music is made now, every tune can trace its roots back to that song, every dance tune, and that's like 35 years ago, the greatest piece of music ever made.
1: Yeah. I certainly won't disagree with you there, mate. I think it's an absolute masterpiece. It's a remix as well. So it's a dance tune.
2: It's a disco tune. Yeah. It's a remix. Incredible production. It's a mega mix as well. So they're mixing in and out of it. Everything to do with modern dance DJ culture is summed up in a record that was made in
1: 1984. Yeah. Amazing. So, before you got into making music like what was what was clubbing for you up until you know you was DJing in clubs where was you going clubbing well see the thing is it's the other way around oh okay that's interesting
2: oh uh, yeah so okay so I used to go to one of my brothers was a bouncer at a nightclub in town right like the best disco in town like you know there was a few in town Maximus and few. so I used to sneak in there and just check out what was going on I was only about 15 16 right. at the time and, and what did you want
1: from clubbing then
2: what, what, what did you, what oh, you what I, I, just... I, I loved—I loved the glamour of it. Right. I loved the lights. I loved the loud sound. Yeah. I loved the the carefreeness. I loved the fact that people just lost themselves in it. There was none of that normal everyday shit that grinds you down. You could let yourself go. There was this hedonism kind of thing where it was just like nothing matters apart from what you're hearing at that time. You can lose yourself in it. And to me, that was like a blueprint because it was like, damn, you don't have to. You, this, this could be a way of life. I didn't know how, or, yeah. but obviously it materialized later on. Yeah. But it was kind of like, can we not just bottle what's happening here yeah. in a nightclub yeah. and just sell it to people to have on a daily basis yeah. because it's, it's just it'll make everyone happy. Yeah so I then I didn't I, I, and I did that and I'd go to a few clubs and it was fine they were like disco clubs they'd be the new soul and yeah. you'd hear Van Vandross and yeah. blah 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 but at the same time as that I'd be listening to like Capital Radio there's a guy did Mike I can't remember his name but he used to have a late show and he used to play loads of electro Mike Mike Allen, yeah. thank you. Yeah, Mike Allen used to play all this electro stuff. He like, was quite on the cusp of bringing hip hop over as well. Totally, yeah. he was totally at the start of that. So I would used to, I used to buy loads of like. Um, like Houdini, Grandmaster Flash, Africa Bambaataa, Solsonic Sonic Force, you know, Furious 5, all that kind of stuff from America. And I used to buy it on import and Twelves as well. I used to have a paper round, so I used to go and buy these records, yeah. and they used to cost me all my week's money yeah. in just buying all these tunes. And I've still got them. And, 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 and so I used to have them, and I used to cut up and scratch records. So hip-hop came along you know I used to have these tunes I'd, I'd have like you know I can't stop and all these and we used to, I used to cut them up all that kind of stuff so I used to just stay in my bedroom cutting up these records And then from cutting up those records, I was like, right, you know, spinning them back, looping up bits. I got a little, one of them first DJ mixes, which had a four second sampler built into them. And I was like, oh wow, look, you can play that bit and hit start and then stop and it will loop that bit. My God, that's amazing. So I used to just loop up bits and cut bits up like that with a record and do all that kind of stuff. And then I was like, that sounds brilliant I said but what I'm going to do now is I'm going to buy a little drum machine to put a drum machine behind it for when I do these because I used to be pretty good at mixing and, and so I'm going to just do that I'm going to get a drum machine drum machine to play a beat at, at 98 you know and then I'll just cut up all these bits over the top so make how old are
1: you at this point? 15 mate 16
2: amazing. 15, 16 yes. I'm still at school because yeah. I remember used to going to school and then going right going home doom, bang in the mornings, get up, do my paper round, earn my seven fifty a week go to, well, 15 quid I used to get because I used to do two paper rounds because I didn't have enough money to buy all the records that I wanted to go and buy. And then I used to go to Southall Market. There was a guy called Tedge and he'd bring in all the American imports of the electro stuff and old, you know. So I used to go and buy that and then go into town as well. Bluebird Records and Groove and all that stuff. So I used to go go in town, get the old Def Jam records and the old Burgundy vinyl that used to come in before they went to the black. So I used to do that, cut all that up yeah, then I got a reverb machine to toughen up the drum machine, make it sound a bit bigger. Then I used to just make tunes like that, just just cutting them up. And then I used to be part of a break beat crew, uh, breaks crew where we had the DJs, we had a rapper, and I was the DJ, and it was that kind of thing. So it's a, you know from the late you know mid '80s, I was doing that, and I'd love that. and That was amazing. Then I went out one day, and I heard in a nightclub a track called acid tracks by future Mm. and it changed my life i just totally i was just like wow this is amazing so i'm and i remember being in this club with my friend richie fermi who was another big record producer went on to do loads of stuff He was amazing work with moni love and all sorts of people he's brilliant and we were like what is this and he richie's like i don't know i've never heard anything like this in my life and i was like no so we went and asked the dj and he was like oh it's future acid tracks following day <clears throat> we went and got Future Acid Tracks and it was like, right, Richie how's this put together, what do we need to do and it was like, it sounds like a drum machine okay, what is it, okay let's go get some drum machine, and find out about drum machine so we went and got a 909 <clears throat> and then it was like yeah, that's, that's, you know and then we went out to somewhere and we met a guy who came over he was an American DJ, came over a, a guy called Bam Bam and I don't know if we actually met him or if we spoke to him or we read something about him. I remember meeting Derek May, but that's a separate thing. Actually, no, i tell you what, we met Derek May because we made, basically, okay, so getting back to Bam Bam. Bam Bam said, there's this box called this Roland 303. That's what it is. <clears throat> and so we were like, okay, so I found one. I found one in 88, 1988, and I found one in a shop called ABC Music in Slough. So I phoned up ABC Music. I said, oh, I'd just seen an ad in music technology that you've got a rolling 303 for sale. They went, yeah. I went, oh, amazing. Can you do me a favour? Can you hold it for me? Because I don't want anyone to buy it. I, I really need this box. And they went, listen, mate, it's been sitting here for like almost a year. No one's interested in it. I was like, no, please, just reserve it. So they were like, all right, OK, no worries. Put the phone down. So I got on a bus went all the way there i said oh well, hi i phoned about this 303 machine and he was like oh it was you yeah we were laughing about it. it's just saying about some guy phone playing reserve it because you know and I, and he said you know we, we've never had any interest and i said no and so i said ah oh, and he showed it to me and i went oh can i take it and he went yeah sure of course he went that's 25 pounds so i bought my first 303 for 25 pounds
1: fucking hell
2: And he went, what's so special about this box? He said, we've had it sitting on the shelf for like half a year, nobody's interested. And I actually said to him, I said, see this box? This is gonna change the world. And he looked at me like, I oh, was some kind of nutter. <laughs> <laughs> but I was right. It did change the world. It's not wrong. And so, so I took it home. Me and Richie then worked out these live acid sets where we have a 909, a 303. I had a little Casio RZ1 sampling drum machine where you could sample for a second and a half. And we used to be able to get pump up there. And that was about it. Because that's all the sampling time. Yeah. Or can you feel? Yeah. And that was it. You couldn't Brilliant. have the it because there was not <laughs> enough sampling time left. <laughs> right, so we used to do the can you feel and, and then and we used to trigger these samples that so we were doing this acid. But what we were doing was we'd have them covered over with masking tape, so you can see Roland nine oh nine. TB303 or Roland or anything like that. So people were looking and they couldn't see what it was. And we should do these warehouse parties in 88. And this was the thing. I know, you know, we were just talking about that, Can You Feel It? And the documentary stuff. And about people going back that they were there at the beginning. They were doing this stuff. But I never really talk about it. And you can ask people like, you know, Chris Butler from Be The Media or Rocky and Diesel or any of them people, John Jules or any of them. Who were one of the first people to make acid? And it was me and Richie in like 88. We were doing it like an early 89 we were making it we just never turned in the tunes we did actually make one tune and it was called adrenaline mod and it was called OOO, and it was one of the it was the first acid health track released on a major in this country oh really so that was the first one and that was i think it was 88 actually yeah and um and yeah so it's kind of that's where and then once we started making the tunes getting back to what you're saying about about clubbing and dj we would then go to clubs to see what the tunes were that were being made and go back and rip them off and redo them and that was the only reason i went to clubs in them days we used to go to clubs just to listen to stuff to see what we could actually do it wasn't we'd go to clubs to feel inspired to make the music we were making the music and making sure it's going to be all right to be in the clubs and so that's kind of where I kind of come from, and and, and so you know I remember, you know, on my twenty-first birthday, and you know people laugh at this, my daughter laughs at this. I, I just you know it's not, on my twenty-first birthday, I stayed in, to to, to read the manual on a TR nine hundred and nine drum machine as to how to use it.
1: Good times. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Party <Pie> animal, <laughs> and so yeah, and, and we used to do this. on Saturday nights, we used to go to the trip in in uh, the Astoria yeah. and various other places like that, and and then go back to my flat and make the tunes that right. we kind of heard. Yeah. we didn't used to go, you know. So so
1: it, I had a a, a backward. Approach to clubbing. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's such a unique answer compared to yeah. like, what I've ever yeah, previously. I, I,
2: so basically, I, 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 all right, I started off going to clubs when yeah. I was a kid because my, 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 my brother was a, a bouncer in one. Yeah. So we did that, but then I actually got lost in making the music before going to the clubs again. Yeah. And then going to the clubs verified what it was that I yeah. actually did. And then as a result of that, started DJing because I could cut and scratch and yeah. mix records, and mixing house music is way easier than mixing yeah. hip-hop and old-school funk and stuff. Yeah.
1: So, it's, that came after. Brilliant. That's amazing. Yeah. Right, well, let's... That's, that, that's one of the best answers I think I've ever heard for uh, <laughs> what, what soundtrack you're here's clubbing. <laughs> um, track six, Jags, he's... Favorite song from an artist from your hometown? Yeah. Not home country. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay, so when I first got that and you said it was like favorite song from your home? counting it is what it said yep. but i read it as home country <laughs> and i was like well actually england is my home country how dare you ask me about that and then i thought maybe he's referencing what what my heritage is oh, so okay. i started looking at things from india and i was looking at you know i was looking at ananda Shankar the streets yeah. of calcutta and checking out some old bollywood movies for soundtracks because yeah. i used because i love like asha balsan and latam and Lata gishka muhammad Ruffy, who were amazing bollywood singers yeah. who to this day their voices are just incredible so i was like looking at all that did a bit. Of then i thought keep it
1: simple mate go for your county yeah
2: yeah <laughs> and then and then i was like yeah streets of cattle by nanda Shankar and Nasrat Fatih Ali khan and that's that side. and then i was like, looked again at the question in home county <laughs> I was like ah okay i've totally balls that up and then i was like london is my home county so you know god how very boots feel it is fill your boots and, yeah. and then i was thinking well you know what i i, I live in labyrinth grove not in hill and I can't not mention the reggae the roots, the connection that it's had with the Caribbean culture coming in there from the 1950s and 60s and how that had an impact and even the whole punk thing from there where, you know, it's Paul Cook's from Shepherd's Bush and, you know, that's my manor as well. I used to live in Shepherd's Bush and and, 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 and getting onto that whole West London thing where for me, the roots of getting back to the roots of punk again was you know uh, The Clash of course you can't have London and not mention The Clash and the reason I've chosen The Clash and the song is Train in Vain is because there's a great story to that that um, I, I love that song because it really sums up if you're a musician you know you know uh, if you're a musician and you're broke you need a girlfriend and you need to have somebody around you because it's just and it's just a beautiful song but the song um, I, I worked with um, Charlie XCX and Viv Albertine on a, on a they did they were doing this kind of remake of Train in Vain for, for this compilation album uh, what together? Yeah. Wow. And this was a while back, and uh, so that we, we were doing this tune, and I was producing it with them, and Viv Albertine came in the studio, I was really excited, and this is when Charlie X was just starting out. Yeah. So Viv came in, and and she said, uh, yeah, uh, and and, and they, you know the song we were doing was Training Wayne, and I went, oh, I love this song. This is like you know this my favourite Clash song, and she said, oh, it's about me. I went, what? She said, yeah, Mick Jones wrote this song about me because he used to have to come... I was seeing him at the time, and he used to have to come and get the train out to come and see me, but he knew that I weren't really that into him. So it was a train in vain to go and see Viv. Oh, (laughs) really? So it's a beautiful song and I love that song. Oh, I love that song, Viv. So Viv Albertine. I mean, she's such an amazing woman as I've well. I've just finished her book. Oh, she's so cool. Yeah. Oh, honestly, iconic. Yeah. And so when she told me that, I was like, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And so so Train in Vain Perfect. by The Clash
1: Perfect. is my home county tune superb right you can really indulge yourself now Jags, because for track seven which is your, your the final track of the the, the 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 track list it's a song that many may not know and it's your opportunity to tell them to go and have a listen
2: well do you know what the thing is a lot of people will know it yeah because it's massive but the tune is rock star by post malone now you know when you sent me the question it's like choose something out there, choose something that people wouldn't relate to you. Now, the thing is, the reason I chose that is because with hip-hop, hip-hop is the new punk. Acid House was the new punk. Hip-hop is the new punk. You know, hip-hop is the new punk because you don't need any equipment to make a hip-hop tune. You don't need to learn an instrument. You can just buy a laptop, you can buy a garage band, or you get a garage band in it and you can put tunes together in it. Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar's one of his producers, just put a beat together for him on his new album, which was done in an iPhone. You know? And that is the most punk Thing you can do. That is more punk than punk, more punk than acid house, more punk than learning anything. You can just, it'll string it together for you. So for me, hip hop now is the music, it's the modern day punk. You don't need to learn an instrument. You don't. And, and the thing is, you know, bands now... Bands aren't punk. There is no punk left yeah. in bands. There is no, no rock and roll rebellion left in bands. Because you need to have money to be able to be in a band. You need to have instruments. You need to have rehearsal space. You need to have, you know, all that kind of thing. But with hip-hop and grime and all that stuff, you just need a laptop and yeah. a set of headphones. You don't need anything else. And you can put it all together. And for me... It is the most punk... Hip-hop is the most yeah. punk thing, most rock and roll thing out there yeah. now. It really is. And that song by Post Malone is as dangerous as it gets. Yeah. The, talking about taking drugs and sleeping with groupies and... Throwing TVs out of windows and that whole... You're talking about that 2 with Primal Scream again. I'm going back to that talk. We never, we never threw a TV out of a, of a window. We might have flooded some, some hotel rooms accidentally and, and ended up in, in stupid scenarios. But no TVs went out of any window. I'm offering up that disclaimer now as well. Um, but but, but, Post Malone, you know, that tune is all about... And I think that's probably why I like it. It's just like, it t- takes t- talks about taking drugs and doing stupid things and, yeah. and being young and mental and for me that's almost like a, like harking back to the days of a my youth shot. sort of thing you know so and, and I love that song that song always puts a smile on my face you
1: know and it's, uh, it's just it's just genius well before we finish Jags yeah so what is what is a perfect night out for Jags Coonan now oh <laughs> do you mean a perfect night in? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, whatever, whatever it is.
2: Oh well, uh, I, You know what? A perfect night out. I don't do it very often. I don't do it very often. I mean, the thing is, it's really weird. I get to have special occasions where I go out every now. I mean, obviously, I do my thing at Glastonbury. I do Jags' Acid Lounge yeah. at Glastonbury. So I've got my own venue at Glastonbury, which is in the unfair ground, And it's just literally me inviting all my mates to come and DJ for me and it's great because it starts at 11 and goes until 6 in the morning and I just have a great party and it's my party yeah. so that is a great night out for yeah. me you know what I mean and we just done it in Fuji Rock as well oh, took amazing. it over there which was amazing I had a brilliant time and it worked really well and that I suppose in a way that's the perfect night out for me yeah. it's, it's like having all my friends there they get to DJ loads of people were dancing having a good time everybody's happy it's just harking back to that time yeah. when I was 14, 15 years old yeah. getting sneaking into them clubs and seeing that people just being carefree and having yeah. a great time and enjoying themselves and, and, and for me it comes back to that which is just everyone's happy and yeah. enjoying it themselves that's what it's all about
1: What a perfect way to finish a podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Jags. Thanks so much, mate. My pleasure. Absolutely love listening. (laughs) Absolutely brilliant. (laughs) Thank you very much.
2: It's been brilliant. Thank you,
1: Stu. There you have it. Told you that was going to be a good one. What a what an absolute gentleman and what a story. Just involved in so many incredible movements in music and yeah, absolutely blew me. I could have sat and spoke to Jags for absolutely hours. Um, but obviously we try and keep these podcasts in and around the hour mark. Um, but I'm sure um, we'll catch up with Jags again in the future and, and, and do another episode because it was a fascinating chat. Anyway, I'm done. Are you done? Good, we're done. I'll see you next time for another episode. Thanks again for listening. See you soon. Bye-bye. off the Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me stew with it.
0: Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra.